There are many paths in life, many roads to choose from, but only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have him, you have all you need. There is no other way. As you know, we've been talking together through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus introduces the way. He, he shows us a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living. He introduces the kingdom of God, what that is, how we become kingdom citizens, and how that changes our lives. And so we've just been walking through that uh, section by section. And this morning, I invite your attention to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, as we think together about the way without worry. The way without worry. I don't know if this is very well known or not, but uh, Don Tyra worries about everything. And he got so tired of worrying that he hired Don Landrum (laughs) to do his worrying for him. They agreed on it that Tyra would pay Landrum $1,000 a week to do all the worrying. When I found out about that, I pulled Tyra aside and I said, Tyra, I love that idea, but $1,000 a week That is a lot of money. How are you going to come up with enough money to pay Landrum what you owe him? Tyra said, that's the first thing Landrum has to worry about. (laughs) Worry has a way of invading our minds, our hearts. Worry has a way of driving us more than we realize. It drives us so often that many of us have just taken it as a normal part of life. We think we're living normal lives. But Jesus comes along and he says, it doesn't have to be that way. As a matter of fact, not only does it not have to be that way, it should not be that way. Worry should not invade our hearts and our minds and drive our lives. Jesus continues to show us the way of the kingdom. He addresses this very important issue. Jesus makes it very clear that it should not be a part of our lives. Why? Because worry is a joy killer. It's a peace thief and it's a time waster. Worry kills our joy and it steals our peace and it wastes our time. Believe it or not, beloved, worry is a sin. 
Now that's hard for us to hear because we value it in our culture. We think because we worry, that means that we care. And so we value worry. But Jesus says worry is a sin. He does so in these next, this next paragraph that we're going to look at this morning. And he makes it easy for us because he breaks down the paragraph in a very straightforward, very Baptist three-point message. We're going to look at those three points this morning. Point one is stop worrying. Point two is stop worrying. Point three is stop worrying. Let me show that to you, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That phrase, do not be anxious, as the way my version translates it, is simply saying, stop worrying. He starts that phrase by saying, therefore, I tell you, and and when he uses that word, therefore, it it makes us want to back up a little bit and remind ourselves of the context. Therefore means that he's building off what he just taught us, so we need to know what that was, you may remember that he has just taught us not to depend on material things. You cannot serve God and mammon. Don't build your life on the stuff of the world, the stuff of of the earth. Don't, Don't be materialistic. Instead, trust God. Therefore, if you're not materialistic, you're not worried about where the money's coming from and what bills are going to get paid and what to eat and what to drink. He says, so therefore, stop worrying about your life. And when he says, do not worry, or in, in, uh, in this version, uh, do not be anxious, that verb form is very important. We miss it when we translate it into the English Because it's saying there's an action that is already going on and you need to stop doing it. When we say do not do something, we we use the same verb form in English. We just don't talk about it that way. But for example, um, I could say to you, do not do drugs. And what that means is I'm assuming that you have not begun that and you don't want to start it, don't start, don't do that. However, we might also walk in on a kid who's misbehaving and we say, don't do that. Do not do that. We're still saying do not, but in one case, we're saying stop it. In another case, we're saying don't ever start it. In this case, Jesus knows that you've already started worrying. So he says, stop it. Don't do that. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We we have a way of making our problems seem so big. And Jesus is saying, life is so much bigger than your little problem. 
there is a Swedish proverb that says, worry gives a small thing a big shadow. We make, our worry makes things seem so big. He says, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I? And Jesus says, life is bigger than all that. Chill. Don't worry. Not only don't worry, but stop worrying. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He says, let's go bird watching. Instead of worrying, let, let's go bird watching. You, you look at the birds. Somehow, they keep finding food. Somehow, they have what they need. The way they have what they need is because God the Creator is taking care of them. Now, if God the Creator is going to take care of birds, don't you think He can take care of you and that He wants to do that? And notice a very important phrase. He says, look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You see that word, your? Jesus is reminding us, the birds do not know God as Father. They only know Him as Creator. But you, not only do you know Him as Creator, but you get to know Him as Father. Wouldn't your Father take care of the birds that He made? Of course He would. So not only would He take care of His creation, how much more would he take care of his children? Your father, are you not of more value than the birds? Verse 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? You know, if, if you and I were really honest with ourselves, we would have to say that the things that that solve our problems and that make things better always involve some kind of action, some kind of work, some kind of decision. But worry never solves a problem. Worry never fixes a thing. And so he says, think about it. How much, how could worry make you a foot taller, or add an hour onto your life. It doesn't really help in any way. Matter of fact, it's actually contrary to health. It actually hurts. It doesn't do any good. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. There's motion, but there's no progress. It doesn't help. You think about this, think about it this way. There are three options. When we have problems to resolve, there are things we're worried about. There are three things that are going to happen. One of three things that are going to happen on, on the things that we worry about. One, it's not going to happen at all. The thing we worry about never really happens. Studies have shown that that, that that is usually the case. Most of the time, the things we worry about never even happen. That's one of the options. The thing you're worried about, it might not even happen. The other thing that might 
occur is that it does happen, but it's not near as bad as you expected. You built it up in your head and in your heart so much that when it finally happens, it really was not that big a deal. The only other option, either it doesn't happen at all, or it does happen and it's not near as bad as you thought, the only other possible option, thinking logically, is that it does happen, but God can see you through it. And in all three cases, worry doesn't help a bit. Either it's not going to happen and you wasted your time and your heart worrying, or it happens but it's not that big a deal and you wasted your time and your heart worrying, or there is a problem. But God is bigger than your problem and he can see you through it and you wasted your time and your heart worrying. Look at verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grew. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. First, he had us look up at the birds. Now he has us look down at the flowers because he wants us to see that that Mother Nature provides and that Mother Nature answers to Father God And as our Father, He is going to provide. Look at the birds of the field. Now these are are the flowers of the field. These are not, by the way, beautiful lilies that a florist has raised in a a greenhouse and has cared for and watered. These are wild flowers out in the field. They just grew. Nobody planted them. They just grew. And you look at them and they're so pretty. They're so beautiful. They don't worry about what they look like. They just are. Now, Solomon in all his splendor can't compare to that. So look to the the flowers and realize we don't have to worry. It doesn't do us any good. Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, grass in Scripture almost always reminds us that it's only here for a short time. Grass grows and then it dies and it's gone. He says that's our lives. If God so clothes the grass that is temporary, that is earthly, that is only here for a short time, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Today there's grass, but tomorrow that grass is just thrown in with the wood to make fire in the oven to to bake bread. It's useless. Your life is worth a whole lot more than that. So don't you think he'll take care of you if he takes care of nature? And then he says, you've been thinking wrong, oh you of little faith. He doesn't say you don't have any faith. He says you have little faith. I think that probably sums sums it up for a lot of us. We believe God. If I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you believe God? Yeah. You trust him? Sure. Are you worrying? Yeah. Well, then your faith is too little. You see, our 
our faith has a way of reorienting things. Worry is the spiritual practice of seeing problems bigger than they are and seeing God smaller than He really is. Worry messes up our perspective. And so he says, you're, you're of little faith. You have faith, but it's too little. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Those who have perfect peace are those who have found to keep our minds on him. We're steadfast because we trust in him. There is peace, a way without worry. The second thing Jesus teaches us in this passage is stop worrying. Look at that as we move on to the next verse. 31, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, stop worrying. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Gentiles in this case are those who are unbelievers. The, the day in which he was speaking, only Jews were starting to follow him so far. And so Gentiles were people who were not following Jesus, unbelievers, people who only have the world around them upon which to depend. He says there's a difference. They only depend on the stuff they see on the world around them. No wonder they worry. But you're different. You have a father, a heavenly father, who knows what you need. Stop worrying. Sometimes I like to do the etymologies of words. You know, you go back and you see where they came from and how, how did this word develop and where did all that. Our word for worry comes from a German word that means to strangle. The English word worry comes from a German word that means to choke or to strangle. That's what worry does to us. You remember the story where Jesus told a parable about the farmer who was throwing seeds. Some of the seed landed on the path and the birds came and took it real quick. Some of the seed landed on the rocks and so they didn't, it didn't grow very good roots. It just had short roots so they didn't last long. Some of, the, uh, some of the seed fell among the weeds and so the weeds grew up and choked it out. And As he was going through, he was talking about all the different seeds then he came back around and he interpreted the parable, which is very rare. Jesus very rarely interpreted his own parables, but this one he did. And when he did, he talked about that seed that fell among the weeds. It's recorded for us in Matthew 13 at verse 22. He said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You see how worry works in our lives? It chokes out the things of God. Let me just get real with you for a second. And as I do, know that I love you. You know why we worry? At the essence, at the heart 
of worry is the same thing we find at the heart of every other sin. Pride. We worry because of our pride. Some people think, well, I'm so smart. I'm smarter than most people. I'm so smart, I can see all the potential problems before they even develop. I know what could go wrong because I'm so smart. And that pride leads to a life of fear and worry. Some people worry and and it's based on their pride because I love so much. See, I'm a special person because I love so much. And because I love so much, I worry about everybody I love. And worry is based on that pride. Some people worry because they think they're so important. I'm the only one that can solve this problem. It's all on my, all the weight is on my shoulders to work this out. I have to do it because I'm that important. At the heart of worry is the same thing that's at the heart of every other sin. And that is our pride, and I say our on purpose. You see verse 32? The Gentiles seek after those things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Non-believers have to focus on the things of the world because that's all they have, but that's not you. Romans 8 and 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We don't have to live like the rest of the world and think like the rest of the world and worry like the rest of the world. He didn't spare his own son. Surely we can trust him for all the other things we need. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 is that verse I shared with the children. It says, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Worry about nothing, pray about everything because He's your Father. He's already given you the best. Surely He can give you what else you need. You see in verse 33, but seek first. And there's a you implied in that verb. The world has to depend on the stuff they see in the world. But you, you are different. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. You get your focus on him and the rest of it works out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember, we talked about what what the kingdom is. What does it take to have a kingdom? One sovereign and one subject. It takes one to be king and one to be ruled. The kingdom of God is when you let Jesus be in charge of your life. You keep seeking after his rule in your life. And you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Jesus goes over to have, dinner, have lunch at Mary and Martha's house. 
And Mary is sitting here just soaking it in. Talk to me, Jesus. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to seek you more. I want to become your follower. I want more. I want more. What's Martha doing? She worrying. She worrying in the kitchen. She comes to Jesus. Can you imagine this? Martha tells Jesus Christ what to do. I think that may be the only time we see it in Scripture other than his own mama. She's going to tell Jesus what to do. She told Jesus, tell Mary to get in here and help me. And what did Jesus say back? Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 41. Martha, Martha, now when he calls your name twice, you better listen. That's like when my mama used to say, John William. See, back then they didn't have middle names, so he just used her name twice. Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's, the, that's what's needed. Focus in on what's important. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Seek ye first my rule in your life. And all the things will be added to it. In the early days of aviation, there was a guy that was flying a little plane, and he was flying it by himself, and as he's flying, he hears a noise. And it took him a while. He'd never heard it before. It wasn't a mechanical noise. He had to think through. He realized what he was hearing was a rat gnawing on some of the wires underneath the control panel. And he's thinking if that rat gnaws on that main wire that, contr- that tells the controls, where the controls tell the engines what to do, he eats through that thing, I'm dead. And the pilot realized he didn't have time, he was way up there, he didn't have time to come down and find a place to land and get out safely. He had to make a quick decision and so he decided instead of finding a way to come down and land, that he would instead turn up and climb. And he soared higher and higher. He put on a little oxygen mask as he get, got higher and higher and the air got thinner and thinner. And sure enough, before long, that noise stopped. When the noise stopped, he leveled off, landed the plane, got out and found the dead rat that had been gnawing on those wires. See, he knew, he figured out that by, by climbing it would choke out the rat. Friends, this morning, don't leave here worried about worrying. Because if you worry about worrying, you're just worrying. Instead, you know how to fix the worry problem? Climb higher in your faith. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be taken care of. You just need to climb higher, seeking first the the kingdom of God, and it'll choke out the rat of worry. The third thing Jesus tells us, stop worrying. Verse 34, and we're done. Therefore, do not be anxious. Stop worrying. 
about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Many people crucify their joy between two thieves. Yesterday on one side and tomorrow on the other. We lose today's joy because we can't let go of yesterday's failures and we can't stop thinking about tomorrow's problems and so we lose the opportunity to live fully today. Corey Ten Boom taught us better than that. She said worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. And so we used to sing, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine. Its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. Y'all help me out. And I know who holds my hand. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I can seek first his kingdom and hold his hand and he's going to get me through. This morning, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.